0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, it's great to be with you all. And uh, yeah, it was great for Mike to just give me that little bit of a last rodeo type of introduction. Uh, I have to admit, I was at a rodeo yesterday. Um, so it's kind of kind of secret that Alberta government has let the Alberta High School and junior rodeos go on. Uh, it's very strange to see, go to a rodeo and see all these cowboys in masks, uh, but you know they're able to carry on. They're not kind of advertising it too much, but I was at a rodeo, uh, so very, very happy to be out and about, and, and glad that we can meet together. And, and just as you're meeting here this morning and our church at Calvary Grace is meeting, such a, such a great privilege to be able to gather together on the Lord's Day, understanding the restrictions, but to be able to gather together and worship and to worship even the high God, even as Joel led us in worship, that we could worship God in all of his great grandeur. Well, this morning... As we begin, what I want to ask uh, as, a, as, a, as a leading question is, is just to consider what is better than knowing God? What is better than knowing God? Now, you're here at church, so probably you're like, oh yeah, well, of course nothing's better than knowing God. And yet, if I was to ask you how much thought you have given to knowing God in the last week versus how much thought you have given to Alberta politics or COVID vaccines or, uh, you know, all the other myriad of things that are in the news cycle. Where would your amount of thought in knowing God, where would that fit in? And if you're like me, you'd be probably a little bit ashamed to say how little thought you've given to knowing God. And yet, really, nothing is better. Nothing is better. And knowing God is higher and more exalted and really more compelling than anything else that we could pursue. Now, in Alberta, we have great privileges even that God has given us these means to know God better. So, for example, we we have God's revelation in nature. Uh, we've got the beauties of the Rocky Mountains. We've got uh, you know the vast expanse of the plains. And even this morning, with a little bit of snow, you're reminded, yeah, snow. You know, God God can change your planning very quickly with a late April snowstorm. But we have these things. They all point us toward God so we can know God better. We have also the Bible. You know, and even if you don't have a paper Bible, you're using your phone as your Bible, but, but we have the Bible. We have the Bible written in English. It's written in our language, translated faithfully, accessible to us, accessible really at very low cost and yet of infinite benefit. So that's another means that God's given us, but we also have the testimony of the gospel, the power of God for salvation, as you guys have been going through this series in Romans with Pastor Trevor. And so we can hear the message of the cross and believe and be saved, so we can actually know the true and living God. And so there is, as it were, these three revelations, as it were, a natural revelation, of this special revelation in God's Word, and the revelation of God's salvation. And we have these ways that we can come to know God, to know Him, and, and to know even the depths of God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Paul has been moving on in this letter to this messed up church in a wicked city. And he's been moving along in in this letter to the Corinthians. And he switches in his letter, he switches away from politics that he's been talking about in chapter 1. Politics that, I mean, if you aren't thinking about politics these days, then you're living in a hole. Right? You know. But he moves away from worldly politics, politics in the world and all of its Machiavellian wisdom. He moves away from that. He even moves away in chapter 1 from descriptions of divisions. Divisions in, in verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 10. Talking about divisions in the church or what we call church politics, right? Church politics. And I don't know, maybe, you know, this is a great church, but You know, I'm guessing there might be even a little bit of church politics here. This is politics of my church, right? We have these little divisions. But Paul moves away from all of that. He moves away, and he comes into chapter 2, and he says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, Paul moves moves from this kind of horizontal perspective where it's it's you and me And it's my opinion versus your opinion. And it's my politics versus your politics, whether in the world or in the church. And he moves and he sweeps all of that away. And he focuses everyone on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then at this point then, when we come to our passage in verse 6 and following, he's going to lift our eyes up. He's going to lift our eyes up. And I don't know about you, but my guess is that this morning, You need to have your eyes lifted up. Because your eyes are fixed on what's going on around us. What's going on? What's the latest update that we're getting from Dr. Hinshaw? What's happening with the federal government? We're all fixated on these things. Our, Our focus is very horizontal. And he lifts our eyes up, Paul does. To the vertical. To high above all else, as we just sang. And then he says in verse 6, among, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And then he says this, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's as if Paul takes a telescope and he puts it up to the eye of the reader and he shows them Isaiah 64, in which he quotes from here. And he's showing this grand vista. Of knowing God, what it is like. That no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love Him. Is that you this morning? Have you considered all that God has prepared for you for those who love Him? And he says, verse 10, these things God has revealed to us. Through the Spirit. It is an amazing, astounding thing that those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who, those who know and love God, there is these, this vastness and depth that God wants you to know. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Certainly, we have to ask Has He revealed natural things? Well, God has. Beautiful Rocky Mountains looking into a baby's face. Has he revealed himself in Scripture? Absolutely, yes. In a special, distinct way. But what he's referring to here is that he has revealed what God has prepared for those who love him. There's there's this infinite depth to know and understand. In other words... There is so much more of God to know. So much more for you and me to know about God. And we can come here, and this is a good church. You maybe have been coming here a long time, and you're well taught. You know a lot of things about God. But I can guarantee there are a lot of things more to know, to go deeper with God. And and so this is it, that To know God is actually can be beyond our observation. Beyond our creative imagination. It's it's really unimaginable to know the depths of God. The magnitude of what God has prepared for those who love Him. That magnitude is, is deeper. And it's wider. And it's more layered and more sophisticated. And it's more pure than anything we could imagine. And I know you're coming and you're, you've, you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch today. You know, you're, you're thinking about, you know, what you've got to do this week. And you're distracted with all of these things as I am. But this is an opportunity to pause and be confronted with the greatness and depth of God. What has God prepared? What has He prepared for you? Have you ever thought about that? What has He prepared for you? He's, he's prepared for you a life a plan, a way, and it is eternal in both time and quality. He's prepared these things for you. Do you believe that? If I could do it in a redemption way. Church, do you believe that? I know it's a redemption way. Anyways, I've, I've been around enough to know. This is the revelation, this, a, a revelation, an uncovering of salvation. And it is the revelation of salvation to the heart and soul of a sinner. It's what the Scottish theologian Henry Scougal called the life of God in the soul of man. That is what we are here. That's what this is about. That's what you've come for. Is to know the life of God in the soul of man. And Paul says, these things, verse 10 These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. This special gift is given because God is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Ephesians 3.20. And so Paul invites us to to lift our eyes high and above the earth, above the politics, to consider the depths of God. That's what we're going to do, and as my professor at Master's College, C.W. Smith, used to describe it, we need to use a little bit of sanctified imagination. And first, this morning, we're going to see that, you know, just ask the question, can we do this? Can we explore the depths of God? Or is this like, oh, well, this visiting preacher is getting too heady? No, no, can we do this? Can we explore the depths of God? But secondly, who has the access who actually can do this? Who is permitted to do this? And thirdly, recognizing there is a great division in the world between two types of people, the spiritual and the natural. And then we'll finish with a couple of practical thoughts. But this, what we're engaging in, this thrilling pursuit of God, is, is to know God, and as A.W. Tozer said, to have found God, And still to pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. Maybe you know God. You might know Him this morning, but are you continuing to pursue Him? And that's my hope this morning from God's Word that you will take hold of. And if you don't know God, then my hope as well is that you will be invited to join in this journey to know God. That's what it's all about this morning. So we see, as I've said, the depths of God to begin with. For the Spirit, it says, the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The latter half of verse 10. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. How can we know God? How can we? It's a common question you'll get on uh, a University of Calgary campus, uh, it's a common question you might get from your co-workers. You know, how can I know God? How, how is it possible? Maybe the university professor, maybe the teenager that's in your home is asking that question. Maybe the grandmother that is suffering with an illness and they're, after all these years they're asking a the question, well, okay, well, how, how, how is it possible to know God? And and to many people, maybe maybe yourself, you're here. To many people, they conclude that the depths of God cannot be known. They cannot be searched. It's a conclusion many people have. It's like the late singer Gord Downey said in one of his songs. He says, it's so deep, it's meaningless. And that's how a lot of people think. It's so deep, it's meaningless. The atheist... Well, they simply give up. It's easier to deny God exists than to wrestle with how can the depths of God be known by finite people. The agnostic, well, the agnostic, they've begun the journey to know the depths of God, but they've given up. And they say, oh, well, the depths of God are too deep and my rope is too short and your rope is too short. But then even someone who is, you know, sort of seeking, as it were, But they're a sinner. The sinner who begins to see the depths of God in natural revelation. They begin to see even the depths of God in biblical revelation. They still are at this position where, how can I know God? I'm a sinner. There's this infinite gap between me and God. I need assistance. I need help. How can a sinner like you or a sinner like me, how can we know the depths of God? The sinner needs the Spirit. We must have the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And what we're doing here, and I know it's difficult to think when you come from the busyness of the morning, and you know, we're, we're post-rodeo this morning, trying to get everybody. These boys, my boys are a little bit sore from the rodeo yesterday, and so we're all trying to get up and get here, and get here on time, and you get distracted with all that stuff. And it's difficult to think, oh, okay, now, to think on these high and holy things. But, but we're treading on holy ground. We're treading on holy ground because we see that the Spirit of God alone can know God. The Spirit of God alone can know God. The first person is known by the third person proceeding from the first. And so you think, oh yeah, the visiting preacher, he comes and he's going to preach on the Trinity. Oh yeah, well that's going to fly well. Well, maybe it might be clear as mud. But Paul offers a, a slight human analogy, and this can be very, you've got to be very careful with this, but he offers a slight human analogy to get us to the outskirts of this Trinitarian mystery. He says, verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? You know, in other words, only you, the, the real you, only you knows what's going on in your head. You know, I don't know. Uh, you, you know what, what you're thinking, but you don't know what I'm thinking. You know, and, and we know when we go on the internet, the algorithms... They seem to know what's going on in our head, right? Because when I shop for tires one day, even after I bought the tires, then the computer seems to know, oh yeah, I'm still thinking about tires and trying to sell me tires for the next month, right? Or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know how, like it, it's getting a little creepy, isn't it? I mean, I'm not the only one. I think that they are reading my mind. But the algorithms don't really know what's going on in my mind. They just know my patterns of behavior. No one knows what I'm thinking except my own spirit. So Paul says then in verse 11b, So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So you want to know the depths of God. We we need the Spirit. To to know the depths, we have to have the Spirit. For only the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. We are, all of us, it seems, in a grand experiment, a, a, a social experiment, to see how a society can carry on making its decisions without God. It's a secular society we live in and secularisms, secularism with secular decisions, they deny the Spirit exists. Right? There's, no, there's nobody in our political decision-making that said, well, I wonder what the Holy Spirit says about this. <laughs> right? It's not happening. What, what is God inspired in His Word by the Spirit? What does He say? Well, that's not really being factored in. But what happens, though, is We actually have the privilege of knowing the depths of God because the Spirit is our access to knowing God. And without the Spirit joining us to Christ, we wouldn't be able to be accepted into the Father's love. That's how we enjoy the love of God the Father, is because the Spirit has joined us to His Son. And we can actually know God. We can know Him. So that's that's just scratching the surface of how we, if you're a Christian believer, how we can know the depths of God. But secondly, who has this access? Who has this access? Who can take hold of this this deep knowledge, the, the knowledge of the depths of God? Well, this access, this is my second point. Paul summarizes... The privilege of the Christian, he says in verse 12. Now we have received, what? Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Imagine that. Paul is writing to Christians. And believers have an entirely different spirit than the world. Now, in COVID times, between churches, within churches, there are going to be believers who differ from one another. I have people in my church, they differ from one another in terms of their opinions about the politics and the restrictions and the mass and every other thing. But actually, when you get down to it, a when you have two people that are true Christian believers, they still have a different spirit than the world does. It's entirely different. And for the secular person, we'll call them, for the non-Christian, the secular person, their inner reality is entirely different, even if their outward actions can look the same. The believer, on the, on the other hand, has The Spirit, capital S, has the Spirit. The Spirit is, it says, from God, verse 12. How else could we know the depths of God if God did not provide by His own power, if He didn't provide for us to reveal Himself to us? If He didn't choose to reveal Himself, then we wouldn't know anything about Him. But he has chosen to reveal himself. He has uncovered himself. And if he didn't, if he didn't do that, how could any of us journey past all of the layers and the layers of understanding? How could we get past all of these layers so that we could know God? The late J.I. Packer, the great theologian, he said this. He says, All of my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. His sustained initiative in knowing me. Is that how you think about God this morning? That he is offering a sustained initiative in knowing you, little old you, little old me. As Mike said, you know, farm boy, country boy, southern Alberta, On my first rodeo, why would God care about me? Why would God care about you? And yet, his sustained initiative in knowing me is the basis for me to know him. We love him because he first loved us. And so this is the idea, is to see the depths of God, is to realize God's action in knowing you first. Paul says that we have... Receive the Spirit who is from God so that we can know God. Again, all in verse 11, he, he, says, he, he says it this way that we might understand. Notice who's it referring to? Who's the we? We might understand the things freely given us by God. Now, it can seem maybe a little bit uncomfortable to talk in exclusive terms, but what you have here, this us, It's not referring to everyday folks. It's not referring to everybody. It's not referring to all of humanity. It's referring to Christian believers. See, only the Christian believer has received these things. Only the Christian believer has been given these privileges. They don't deserve them. I don't deserve them. You don't deserve them. I don't need to know you too well to know that you don't deserve them. You don't need to know me too well to know that I don't deserve them. They're undeserved. They are by grace. But think of the privileges. Think of the privileges that the Christian has freely given. What did the Christian has received? We've received God's free gift of salvation. We've received God's free gift of his spirit. We've received even the gift of heaven, the hope of heaven. We've received the gift of this eternal inheritance. We've received the free gift of the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what we've received. We have these. They are our possession. And so he has given us the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. You know, And I'll tell you what, again, just to, just to bring it contemporary-wise... If you're like me, you're getting sucked in. Maybe it's in that social media vortex, you know, that that Facebook comment, comment thread. And it's just sucking you in down the drain. And your mind is being fixated on a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter. When what really matters is what has the Spirit who is from God revealed to me about all the stuff I have freely from God. And then we're just kind of giving just a little bit of thought to that. And lots of thought to what Twitter is saying today. Maybe. Or something like that. See, it's helpful from time to time. And I think right now is a really good time to do this. Like not just this morning, but in this COVIDian drama that we're all going through. It's a good time to meditate. Meditate not only on the big gift of salvation, but on the many, 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 many little gifts that God has given that make up the big gift. You know, it's kind of like grandparents. You know how grandparents give Christmas gifts to kids? You know, the grandparents, they always say, well, this is the first part of your gift. And the second part is coming later. And that's kind of how it is with many of these gifts God has given. It's like, here's the first part of your gift, but there's more to come. And what it does is, you know, just like the kids, like, you know, you're excited. I've got a gift. But it also creates in you an expectancy for what's more. And that's my hope is that when you're coming to this church on a Sunday morning, You're coming having received the first part of the gift, but you're coming with expectancy for more. You want to know God more. And that's what you're doing as you're coming here. And for each day, what is God going to show to me? And in gifting all of this to us, then we're carried each day. We can be carried deeper and deeper and deeper into a knowledge of God. We shouldn't be self-satisfied if we, you know, we go to the good church. You're going to this church, you're going to a good church. It's a good church. But you, kinda, you, you can kind of rest on your laurels and think, oh, well, by going to the good church, I automatically am growing in my knowledge of God. Well, not necessarily so. But are you taking advantage of the good church? You know, and so so as we grow, though, we'll we'll know God in ways that we didn't know Him before. Is that what's happening with you? There's some things about COVID and all this drama. It's teaching us things, maybe exposing sin, maybe showing us God's provision, but teaching us things about God that we weren't learning before this. You know, are we teachable? Are we learning? And so we start to see God's beauty and truth and goodness, and we see it in hues and tones and textures that we didn't appreciate before. As we know God by the Spirit and we see these privileges, I'm reminded of a talk that I I heard from the mathematician and scientist named David Berlinski. And David Berlinski was talking about the study of the human cell. And I mean, this is all before COVID, so. It's not related to anything of that, but nevertheless, he, he's talked about studying the cell at a microbiological level. And he said, the thing with studying the cell, he says, the more we study, the deeper we get in understanding the cell. The more depth we get the, and, and the minutia that we discover, the deeper we go then the bottom of all of the knowledge about the cell, instead of getting closer, it's actually getting further away. And that's what it's like in knowing God. You study theology, you know more and more. And you get to these depths that you didn't know existed. And you're deeper and deeper and deeper and you realize, ah, oh, the the depths, the bottom, getting to the bottom of God, there's actually more to know. And you're, you're amazed with wonder. Some people think, oh yeah, we're going to be bored in heaven. You know, playing harps, sitting on clouds and all that kind of stuff. Of course, you know, it's kind of the precious moments view of heaven, right? Few people know precious moments. That's, that's Christianese culture. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. Don't, you don't have to learn about it. But think of that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, having then this new capacity to go and explore the depths of God and to be utter, utterly satisfied in that search for eternity. To be constantly stimulated and fascinated by the unfolding of the depths of God that you will know forever. That is the great privilege that we have, to see his majesty, his glory, to see it in all of its multidimensional complexity, to see it further and further beyond all that we ask or think. Well, how can we get this gift of the knowledge of God in practical terms? Well, Paul argues for it in verse 13. He argues that God reveals himself to a soul By giving that soul his spirit. And so then the ministry of the apostles was to give teaching that was authorized by the spirit. He says, verse 13, he says, And we impart this, that is the knowledge of the depths of God, we impart this in words. Words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. You see, human ingenuity doesn't give authority to Paul's sermons. It's the Spirit. The Spirit who teaches people through the Word. Do you realize that when you come on a Sunday and Trevor Peacock is here and he's preaching, that event is the authorized Word of God that the Spirit then takes. He takes the Word of God and he implants that in your soul. It is this cosmic event that happens at Bears Paw Christian School in the gym in just a very simple way. And yet you're having this encounter with these supernatural forces of the Word of God inerrant and the Spirit of God authoritative, implanting in your heart. So you can't separate Word and Spirit. You can't. It's not shorthand for saying, oh, one church, that's a doctrine church. And, oh, this, is, this church is an experienced church. That's a false dichotomy I see too often. When the Scriptures are there and the Spirit of God applies the Scripture to every heart, every hear, then you have this phenomenon that, that I like to call, and at my church we call, the idea of the word heard. Together, together, collectively, we're hearing this shared word. It's not just a lecture, it's an event. It's an event when the Spirit takes the word and applies it to the heart of His people. Now, of course, not every hearer is going to respond to the Spirit's teaching because they themselves don't have the Spirit. The Spirit, meanwhile, is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, Jesus said. But when Paul is teaching, he is, as he says, he is interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 13. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Not not super saints. The best understanding of these words is that the apostles and all pastor teachers are interpreting the special revelation... That is the Holy Scriptures, you know, the the breathed-out Scriptures of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. They're bringing this and they interpret it to those with the Spirit, those who are Christians. It is the Word of God for the saints of God. It's not talking about super saints. It's It's just talking about regular Christians. It's talking about simple believers who possess the Spirit they will get it. They will understand in a deeper way than the non-believer does. If you're a non-Christian here today, maybe you've been invited by someone, maybe you've been wondering why it is that you come and you don't really get much out of the sermon, and yet the person who brought you or the other people here, they're like, oh wow, wasn't that a great sermon? Wasn't that so good? And you're like, I I didn't really get it. Maybe you need to ask yourself, if you're lacking the capacity to understand it because you don't have the Spirit. And maybe you need to ask God to give you the Spirit to understand. J.I. Packer said, You can have all the right notions in your head without ever tasting in your heart the realities to which they refer. And a simple Bible reader and sermon here who is full of the Holy Spirit Will develop a far deeper acquaintance with this God, with His God and Savior, than a mere learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. The reason is that the former will deal with God regarding the practical application of truth to his life, whereas the latter will not. See, you're just you're thinking, oh, I'm not a super saint. I'm not a, I'm not a great Christian. Yeah, but if you're a believer, friend. Think of the privileges. You've got the Spirit. The Spirit will teach you by His Word. So it's like the two aromas of life to life and death to death, which Paul describes. There are two kinds of people in this world. There is the natural and the spiritual. Verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And I don't think I need to explain that to any of you. You know, people think, people in Calgary, people in Alberta, people you know, they think that you would come here on a Sunday morning to hear from the Holy Spirit by His Word. They think you're nuts. They think you are, if not crazy, maybe even a little bit dangerous. Because the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's not about how skillfully the biblical testimony is presented. It's not about how authoritative the speaker is. It is only about whether a person has the Spirit or not. If they don't have the Spirit, then it's like asking a blind person to see. It's like asking a deaf person to hear. It's like asking a dead person to live. And some of our frustrations, I mean, maybe, maybe this is a church full of not frustrated people. I'm, I'm guessing you're all frustrated. I'm frustrated. But one of my frustrations is I see people and I see their reasoning and I can't, I can't figure it out why they can't see things more clearly. But then I have to remember, oh, yeah. They don't have the Spirit. They don't have the Word of God. They don't trust in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the triune God sovereign over all the earth. They actually don't have the capacity to understand what's really going on. And so, that person is a natural person. You know, not not that they're on a keto diet. That's not... Some of you are. Some of you hate the keto diet, maybe. I don't want to be keto anymore. Sprinkle on some more gluten for me, please. No, anyways. That's just me. That's that's my own struggle. Um, But no, the natural person, the Greek word for natural here is psuchikos, like psychology. And that's all they have. They've only got this fallen human nature. That's all they have. By contrast, verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. The spiritual person, the Greek word is pneumatikos. And you know it sounds like pneuma, like spirit. This defines the second type of person. And the pneumatikos person judges all things. Now, it's, again, it's not the super spiritual person. It's this person who simply has the spirit. Simple, regular, Christian. True believer, born again. In other words, if you're a born again Christian, you can make true assessments of the creation, of God's world, of the revelation of God's word, and of the salvation of God's children. You can make true evaluations of that. Make true assessments. Paul will say later on in chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? That's your eternal destiny, believer. That's your eternal destiny. And he can say this because the spiritual person or the person in the spirit has the ability to make true and correct assessments about all types of things in the world, from creation to revelation to salvation. Now, saying that, it doesn't mean, contrary to what you might think, it doesn't mean that you're automatically an expert in virology or an expert in nuclear physics, or an expert in, you know, mRNA, or I don't know, whatever. Uh, if you know, you know what mRNA, because we're all looking it up on the internet. What's in these vaccines? What is all this stuff? It doesn't mean you're an expert in it, just because you can make assessments about God's world. You can test the spirits, 1 John 4.1. You can frame all these things. You can frame them, anything, into a wider framework of God's promises. You can judge all things like that. Yet for all of that, Paul qualifies it by saying that the Christian who has the ability to judge all of these things is himself, verse 15, is himself judged by no one. Wow, the, the thought that in a sense you're, you're to be judged by no one, how is that possible? I, I don't know about you, but if you're a Christian, people are judging you all the time, right? Everybody's getting judgy about the Jesus freaks. Everybody's worried about them, passing judgment on all the time. So what is Paul talking about? Well, the fact is, no one. There is no one in the entire universe, no one at your workplace, no one in your family, none of your neighbors, nobody in your church, nobody in your peer group. There is no one, listen to this, there is no one who is able to make a a final defining verdict upon you. There is no one who can pass a verdict on you ultimately except God. Nobody. And, and so you, if you're a Christian believer, you're believing in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Christ's blood shed and his righteousness, you've already been judged in him. And now you're free. That's why Paul, for Paul, even though he's not talking about it with the same terms, the doctrine of justification by faith alone is never far from his thoughts. And that's what Trevor's preaching on. That you're declared just, bef- you're, you're already judged. You're declared just before God by believing in Jesus because Jesus was punished on the cross already. And he rose from the dead to vindicate that atonement. So there ain't anybody, nobody can give the pass past the final defining judgment on you. Nobody. It's a remarkable, freeing thing. If you're judged as morally perfect before God on the basis of Jesus' moral perfections, then no one can judge you definitively. The verdict's already been passed. And of course, to seal your pardon, the Spirit has signed it over to you. The pardon of God, He signed it over to you and it's written in Christ's blood. You've got the pardon. No, sorry, you can't judge me. God's pardoned me. I've got the pardon right here. Signed with the blood of my Savior. Paul brings it to conclusion then by bringing, as it were, these three revelations of God. Creation, His Word, and salvation. And there's only three, if I can even put it that way. You know, your impressions or your prompts are not revelations from God no matter what the prosperity people say. But Paul brings us back in verse 16 to the opening question. How can we know the depths of God? I'm going to wrap it up here. For who has understood, verse 16, the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who, who knows the mind of the Lord? Well, amazingly, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And you're like, what? That sounds almost blasphemous. What are you talking about? We have the mind of Christ. But see, this is the revelation. The mind of Christ is another way of saying we are so united to Christ that Christ indwells us, sealed by the Spirit, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father. If you are a Christian here this morning, you actually have the mind of Christ yeah, the flesh may muddle you in trials and confuse you, but you have it. You have his mind. You are by nature now, we could put it this way, you are like-minded with Christ. And all you've got to do is just think the way he thinks. You think like him. You reason like him. You process like him. You You focus like him. So with that, we've seen that God sends his spirit, that the that the mission will always bring you back to Christ, that you are in Christ and Christ is in you, and you will know God, and others won't because they can't unless they have the revelation of salvation by the Spirit. I'll just bring it by way of just three real quick applications. First, what can you do? I just encourage you to get outside. Get outside. In this COVID time, get outside and see God's natural revelation in creation. One of the things that's happening is we're getting sucked into the internet. And we need to get away from the internet and realize, Ah, look at your handiwork, oh God. And see God's revelation in nature. That's the first thing. It's an easy thing to do and you can do it this afternoon. But secondly, you need to get back to the special revelation of God's word. How are you going to know the mind of God? You need to know it by knowing his word. You know the mind of Christ by knowing his word. What is Jesus taught? So are your habits really oriented to getting back to the Bible? Or is it getting back to the Facebook feed and the last argument you left off yesterday? Right? Maybe you're not doing that. Maybe you don't do that stuff. But you know people who do. And you know how distracting you can be. It's getting back to the Bible. Memorize meaningful verses. Set your heart with expectancy before you read the Bible to meditate then on, on what you're going to read or to expect what, what's going to be preached here on a Sunday morning. But last of all, last of all, start writing down your, what's going on in your relationship with the Lord. A journal, back of an envelope, and I, and I put these questions to you. Ask yourself, are God's saving actions for me personally? Yes or no? Are God's saving actions for me personally? Yes or no? And if yes, do I live like it? Do I believe that? Are God's promises for me personally? Yes or no? And if so, think of the immense privilege I have as a Christian. See, if you're a Christian, you have these great privileges. You have the mind of Christ because Christ is in you and you are in Him. And by the Spirit of God the Father, you have access to the depths of God in greater and greater and greater depth, greater measure now and forevermore. I encourage you, friends, get back to God. You have the mind of Christ. Let the Spirit lead you to know him in a deeper way. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I ask that you would help us all to know you better, even just a little bit better today and tomorrow and for eternity. Oh, Lord, open our hearts to you. Open our eyes to see your depths and cause us to look to you with expectancy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit RedemptionCalgaryNorth.com.